Hello again, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch the Muppet Movie two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And joining us today, we have a return guest, a very special guest. Tell the folks who you are, human. <laughs> human? Is that what you just called me? <laughs> Yes. It's accurate. Okay, I guess that's better than kosher bacon. I am Stacy Rosen. I am a learning specialist and Muppet enthusiast. Awesome. So glad to have you back, Stacy. Thanks, Thanks for having for me. Back. Yeah. Um, so today we are looking at minutes 63 and 64 of the Muppet movie. And these minutes start out with uh, Professor Craftsman finishing his line here. A pig that goes bananas. What is this? A luau? <laughs> and we end with animal yelling, seat cushion. So how do we get from point A to point B? Wow. A lot happens in between. <laughs> so we were we had just started talking at the end of last episode about how you can pretty clearly hear Jim Henson and Frank Oz as members of the, the gang of thugs here. Um, and I noticed specifically you can hear Jim Henson doing a Rolfish voice saying, hey, there she is. Mm. And Frank doing kind of a Sam or animal type voice saying, whoa, whoa, where'd she go? Hey. Yeah. Those are pretty good impressions. And, oh, thank you. But um, I remember like in the early 2000s, when, like, before Muppet Wiki existed, when Muppet fans would talk about like where are all the Muppeteer cameos, there were some people who were very passionately sure that the guy in denim in this scene was Jim Henson. Oh, so they heard his voice and they thought that it was him on screen. Yeah, yeah, and I, I feel like that, that. I feel like that must be why. It's like there's a guy with a beard. Listen, you can sounds like Rolf. It's it's him. You know. Are you talking about the guy in overalls? Yeah, the guy in overalls. Yeah, that's not Jim. I mean, I knew it no, wasn't, not, but no. it doesn't really look yeah. like him. Right, not at all. But I, you know, I th- also I think there's a certain type of fan who like wants to be the one to notice these things. Yeah, they were really proud of themselves for recognizing the voice. Right. Anyway, I think of that every time I watch this sequence. I wonder if those were the same people who thought that Jim Henson makes a cameo as a construction worker and Ernest goes to camp. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, that was on IMDb for a while, wasn't it? I think it might still be it? in the IMDb trivia. That there's a guy with a beard and Ernest goes to camp and somebody was convinced that that was Jim Henson. These are the same people that think there's like a ghost in <laughs> Three Men and a Baby. Yeah. Yeah, oh, the ghost, the, yeah, the cardboard cutout <laughs> yep. ghost that's thing. Yeah. 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 yeah, also I think that that same ghost was uh, one of the dead munchkins. <laughs> the <dreams. laughs> it was it was. Oh, we could go on all day. Uh, yeah. Uh, so good, so good. Okay, so... Uh, let's segue into impressive puppetry effects because here we have Piggy diving off of the uh, off of a balcony. Yeah, which like is pretty. Cl- I mean, I'm sure it's just a poser puppet that like they threw at a slightly upward trajectory. But I watched it several times, and it sure looks like a real jump. It really mm. does. It it does film well. It's convincing. Yeah, these things don't always look real when they. When they just throw the puppets around like that. But or like this... when they throw baby Toby in the air in Labyrinth. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. 
Yeah, it so kind of looks one... like so she actually sort of her her knees bend and then she springs up. It looks it really looks like she's jumping. Yeah, whatever. They right, did that's the thing, and I, I kind of wonder how they did if they had some sort of mechanism to like bring her down and back up again or something. Like a, I, I don't know. It, it looks great. Legs. Yeah, yeah. Did they ever? I'm not suspecting it for this scene, but it made me wonder. Did they ever use a backwards effect in any Muppet productions where what you were seeing actually happened in reverse order and then they switched it? I'm sure they did at some point. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Yeah, I want to say they have done that, but I, I can't think of any specifics. But I'm sure people will let us yes, know listeners. in the Facebook comments. Yes, please right. do. Yes, please, please let us know if you know of any. So, and I, I just want to dwell for a moment on Piggy here in general. Um, right after she does, she, she takes out all the guys, whatever. Um, there's this great vanity shot of her looking right and then left and then right again before she goes over to stop Professor Craftsman. Hmm. And it's just this great moment of like, I'm Piggy, I own the room, bow before me. Kind yeah, of. she's just kind of like surveying the all, all these big strong men that she just uh, conquered. Right. It's her kingdom, right? Like, she's yeah. in charge. Yeah. And, and this kind of goes back to something we were talking about last week, where it's everything is set up with Piggy as a very typical damsel in distress in this scene. And, you know, she's in trouble. Kermit's in trouble. You would expect Kermit, the hero of the movie, to save the day. And it seems like Piggy is initially expecting Kermit to be the hero and save the day. But it's Piggy who takes things into her own hands and actually uh, gets it all done. So that's, that's it's just such a great thing, especially in a kid, like a movie that, that so many kids watched from this. And in the period. 70s, I feel like it's kind of ahead of its time yeah. in that way. Yeah, like, for sure. Now I feel yeah. like writers will go out of their way to make sure that there are strong, you know, heroic female characters. I don't even know that that was the intention. I think it was more about just flipping people's expectations, but it worked out that way. I'm sure that inspired a lot of young women to uh, attack <laughs> a group of men. Good. <laughs> right, right. Well, and and then the, 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 like, finishing touch, the cherry on the top, she walks over to Professor Craftsman and blows on him to push him into the machine. Yeah. Right? Is that what happens? So good. Well, yeah. First, she, she just watched. The... She kicks him, and then yeah. he's. She kicks him, and then she goes. Yeah, he's oh. in I didn't even catch that. Yeah. It happens uh, fast. Yeah, and so it's like, well, and that's one of the things too. Like you say, like it's an unexpected moment, but really, like if you stop and think about it, it's just the Muppet movie, the Muppets' big screen debut. I don't think people went into it expecting our heroes to give a Nazi brain damage. <laughs> Probably. But guess not. what? But guess what? That's what happens. That's exactly what happens in the Muppet movie. And we just don't talk about it enough. While he's being electrocuted by the device, have, did you guys pay attention to the musical cue that's going on there? No. So it's all <laughs> just like the same note repeated over and over again. And like for me, it, I didn't have, I think, its desired effect because it reminded me so much of a musical hook in the movie Big. And I now want you guys to listen to both. I'm just waiting for the <laughs> bass to kick in of that big uh, recurring hook. <laughs> wow. Huh. Yeah, awesome. We'll have to check that out. Like, do, 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 ba, do, 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 do
I'm oh, so sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? That. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah, so sure. in this scene, it just goes, do, 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 do. I'm just waiting for that bass to kick in. Huh. So. Right. Well, and and since you brought it up, uh, the score for Big has another Muppet connection. Ooh, what's that? Because um, during the scene when Josh is, like, tired of being an adult and he walks around town and, like, watches other kids playing. Yeah. The song playing on the score is It's in Every One of Us, oh, yeah. which is also one of the songs in uh, John Denver and the Muppets, A Christmas yes. Together. Yes, I feel like we figured that out the last time <laughs> we, we watched yeah, it. Yeah, we watched that movie maybe a year ago, and I hadn't seen it in many years. And as that song was playing, I was like, wait a minute. And we looked it up, yeah. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's, it's, it's in the closing credits and everything. So it's not right. just, like, melody that happens to sound like it. Yeah, that's funny. Or something. You know, um, but getting back to this movie, <laughs> although Big is great, go watch it. And uh, John Denver and the Muppets of Christmas Together is great also. Is anybody out um, there doing Big Minute, the podcast? I hope so. Probably. Uh, I would listen to it. I, I, I should go see if it exists. Sure. Anyways, um, one of the things I really love here, too, is after, we don't see Professor Craftsman fall to the floor, but we hear him fall to the floor. Oh. And Kermit and Piggy both slightly jump. When he lands, hmm. which is such a nice, subtle puppetry effect that like their reaction sells that happening. Right. Yeah. They're watching him hit the floor. Yeah. And they're kind of startled by the impact. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Um, isn't it interesting that when he gets his brain affected by the machine, he says ribbit, ribbit, ribbit. Like, like he's well, it's for mind control and frogs. Yeah, so it must have been calibrated to the frog setting rather than the human setting. So his his brain is now that of like a completely well. Uh, well, I frog. I think the machine is only designed for frogs, right? He's the right. world's leading expert at mind control in frogs, yeah, not mind so. control. But yeah, so now then we say say goodbye to Mel Brooks. So goodbye, Mel Brooks. Bye, Mel. Brooks. Bye, Mel. So <laughs> after this, uh, the next thing that happens is the phone rings. Yeah. It's. Piggy's agent, how did he get that number? At what point did Piggy call him to let him know where she was? I feel so like good. this could have been an ongoing gag throughout any and all Muppet productions. Like, here you are in this perilous, dramatic moment, and even in, like, a really remote place, like, there's the agent calling. I feel like it almost right. seems like something Steve Martin would have put into, like, L.A. story or something just about... The Hollywood culture. Yeah, 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 for sure. Very much so. Huh. Yeah, yeah, and that's very, very piggy. Um, in the uh, the June 1978 draft of the script, the the so her her agent's name here is Marty, but in the earlier draft of the script, she actually calls her agent Bernie, which would suggest that her agent is Bernie, played by Dom DeLuise from the earlier scenes of this oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, like, as as we discussed, I think, during those Dom DeLuise scenes, Muppet agents were usually named, like, Piggy's agent and other things was called Bernie. Because, right, because Jim Henson's agent was, was Bernie Brailstein. Right. So, is Marty a reference to somebody real? Do we know? Oh, I don't, that didn't occur to me. I, I figured they just decided it didn't really make sense for... Dom DeLuise's Bernie to be the same guy who was already representing Piggy, but yeah, Marty. I don't know who that would be. I can't think of any yeah. Martys in Muppet history. No, 
Can we talk about how funny it looks to see, I know that Piggy's ears are on top of her head, but to see her bring a phone up to the top of her Mm. head like that when speaking (laughs) into it, like, I feel like they had to make that an old-fashioned phone, because, like, what if it had been, like, a more conventional 1970s phone? Like, I don't even think it would reach from, like, her ear to her mouth. We see her on phones in, like, uh, M- Muppet Family Christmas, for example. And what does that look and she, like? She just she just puts it where a human ear would be. Like right, there's that pay just, phone. That's right. Yeah, they like just don't worry about even it. Even be much. a little bit longer than usual, though. The receiver. Yeah, it might be. It might be. So she puts it where a human ear would be, not up on the top of her head like this. Right. Yeah. Right. So this it's, is funny. Yeah, this is much funnier. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and I never noticed it until you just said it. She also has to kind of tilt her head to reach. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, and, uh, uh, so another thing, she's talking to her agent, he offers her a commercial, she kind of scoffs at it right away. What, what I love though, what is so piggy, is that she glances back at Kermit, like, as if considering how much he's actually worth to her, <laughs> as opposed to getting a job, right? And then she turns her back to him, turns away to ask how much it pays. Yeah. <laughs> this is the most piggy thing. That she does, like going from karate chops, saving the day to like, let's talk business, but I don't want the frog to know I care more about this than I do about him. Yeah. Whether that was a a director's choice or a a performer and puppetry choice, that's, yeah, that's a really good, that, that tells you so much in that moment. Either way, the message is that this pig cares more about being loved and adored by the masses than she does by one, you know, solitary frog. We could right. really oh, yeah, yeah, psychoanalyze sure. her here if we wanted yeah. to. Well, well, and what's great, though, is then right after that, she's clearly, think- like, you can see on her face, you can see on the puppet's inanimate face that she's thinking about how she's going to tell him that she chose a commercial over him. And then she just doesn't, right? It's that, um... And they play that really sad music. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's just, um, goodbye. And then she bounces out of frame. And this is so a, good. So the, good. <laughs> it is so good. This is another thing that was different in the, the June 1978 draft. She turns around after the, the phone call and says, hmm, uh, well, that is for just a, hmm, yes, bye. And then runs away. But I think it's well, so much more effective to just go, um, goodbye, and then, and just, right. and that's it. Oh, I think we get all of it on Piggy's face. Yeah. Is the, like, that's probably why they decided they didn't need to do it. It's all in her body language. It's all in her expression. So what do you guys think that commercial was for? Well, Frank Oz has the whole thing about, bacon. yeah, about when she was young, she had to do things she wasn't proud of, including a bacon commercial. So maybe. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I hope it's kosher bacon. Kosher bacon, exactly. Um, so, uh, anyways, she leaves. Um, you know, Kermit now is at his lowest point, and then something amazing happens. The film breaks, and we cut back to the theater. Well, you know, I I don't know what happens next because uh, my I don't I guess my copy of this file just melted on my my computer screen. Uh huh. It's the darndest thing. Um. I'm, I'm so proud of you for doing that bit. I'm so proud of you for forging ahead. Well, you already started talking about the screening room, so you ruined it. I, it <laughs> you know what, Ryan? 
your decision to do that bit was what ruined that bit. Thank so you. don't blame me. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. Um, no, but yeah. So like, I feel like this whole scene, the, the scene back at the theater, like is acknowledgement that the Muppets are the stars of this movie again. Right. Mm. Like, Kermit and Piggy have been the only Muppets on screen for a while now. Right. For however however long it's been. I mean, I think close to 10 minutes, right? Maybe not quite. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, since Rolf left. And, I mean, really the movie has been about Mel Brooks for the last three right. or four, right? Like, it stopped being a Muppet movie. So this is the Muppets reclaiming their movie, like, in the most chaotic way possible. Ripping the film and going back to a room full of Muppets yelling and bouncing around. Yeah, it's also a reminder, again, that, like, by the way, this is, like, this isn't necessarily what really happened. This is the movie that the Muppets made about themselves that they're all watching. So yeah, right, exactly. Whose idea do you suppose it was to have the Swedish chef be the one responsible for running the film? <laughs> and which other Muppets would that have been better, you know, would it, who would have been better tasked to do that? Maybe yeah, Scoot- Scooter, uh, maybe? Scooter is what I was thinking, yeah, yeah. Scooter, who else could have handled that? Well, I feel like if this had been a couple years later, it, it might have been Beauregard. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking him, actually. Yeah, although with Beauregard, I think they would have done the same joke, where the film's just all over him, right? Like, Probably, yeah. The chef doesn't have the best track record when it comes to doing things with his hands. <laughs> true, true. Although I do feel like, the, I mean, like, real life the reason they gave this scene to him is just because how hilarious does he look with film all over him saying undi flim de flip 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 like it's does one of his best records moments. ryan ryan actually transcribed those words did yeah he, I, did he I, do it right i think so well i, don't, I counted nine flips it's der sven der borg der Vorn, der flip 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 is that nine <laughs> It's just so funny. It's like yeah. it, it's one of the things I think of first when I think of the Swedish chef. Well, also the Swedish chef had to go somewhere in this movie, so right, right. This was this was his moment. Yeah, and it, yeah, it, it's interesting. It it seems to me like if you had asked me maybe before we started this watch through when we first see that the Swedish chef is the projector, I might have thought that we learn that at the beginning when they're all in the screening room the first time. But no, this is when we, this is it. This is the first time we see him. Right. It seems, Kermit says roll film, right? You're, and then at we the see beginning. the projector, but we don't see the chef. We don't see the chef. That's very strange. You're right. It feels like we should, he should yell out roll film, you know, in his, in mock Swedish or something. Right. Right. But I'm he sure this is for practical reasons, but did you guys ever talk about how Statler and Waldorf are not, sitting right next to each other, there's at least one seat between them. Do you see that huh, in your I don't, image? Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think we did talk about that. There are huh. other characters who are sitting next to each other. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was just easier, maybe because um, is Waldorf a live hands? Like two, mm. two-handed? No, they're oh, both right. no, they're Neither of yeah. Huh. Uh-huh. yeah, I noticed it when they pulled back in that scene that they, they had at least a seat between them. Huh. Um, Anyways, so then basically the the last thing to happen here in this minute is Animal has one of his best lines ever, which is irritated, irritated. Did you always know that was what he was saying? I I don't know about always, um, 
probably noticed it in high school. I watched this movie a lot in high school. Yeah, I, so, couldn't, I couldn't make it out. I still wasn't sure, starting this podcast tonight, what he says in all of his lines. Yeah, for sure. many years of my life, I didn't understand it. I, I thought at some point it sounded like aerodacted, aerodacted, but that's <laughs> not a word. It sounds so. like yeah. an impressive word. Though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I believe what he yells is exterminate, exterminate. <laughs> that's kind of um, <laughs> Yep. Um, no, but uh, what I love, though, is that Kermit's response is, don't worry, animal, your big scene is coming up. Foreshadowing. Right? right, right. Foreshadowing, but also tells the audience. I mean, it's foreshadowing like the specific thing he's going to do. But even in the moment, it tells the audience that like the electric mayhem are coming back. Right. Like mm. there's going to be Muppets in the movie proper other than just Kermit and Piggy. We're it's not also cutting back. a very common strategy that you use with people, especially kids with attention and hyperactivity uh, challenges, you kind of preview things for them and let them know right. what's coming next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's like, it really, like I think it does have that effect on the audience, consciously or not, that it's like, oh, good, there's going to be more Muppets. It's not going to be a Kermit and Piggy movie forever. So, you know? So, Stacy, would you then tell the kid to be cool and eat another seat cushion? <laughs> I don't know if that was the best advice. I did look and try to see if we could see which seat cushion had been oh, eaten. Yeah, there's definitely, <laughs> you can kind of see where the creases are or the seams where he's about to grab that seat cushion. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then uh, what I love about that is that Floyd does that great laugh after he says, be cool and eat another seat cushion, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't remember it. it. Well, it's just that Floyd, <laughs> you know, that he does Yeah, a lot. that's a riot. Right, right. Uh, and then, like, as we said at the start, Animal yells, see, caution, and we're done. That brings us down to the end. So any, any other thoughts, either of you, before we close? I have two things. Um, first of all, I, I was curious, and actually Anthony and I were talking about this before the recording, um, about what it would be like to have seen this movie in the original theatrical release when that film break gag happens. And, and did it fool people? Did people think that the film was really melting in their theater? So I did a, a sort of informal survey on Facebook. And for the, for the most part, it seemed like people who remembered seeing it in the theater were fooled, but only briefly. Like, they thought for a second, oh, no, the film's breaking. And then cause it doesn't last that long. So then they very quickly realized this is just a joke. Um, <laughs> there were also several people who said... They saw the movie in the theater, but they don't remember what their reaction to that gag was. So thanks for that, guys. Um, but yeah, just uh, our, our friend uh, Martha, who I don't know if she listens to this podcast, but if she does. Hi, Martha. Hi, Martha. She, hi, Martha. She said she distinctly remembers going to the movie with her family, and there was a collective gasp in the audience, which quickly devolved into laughter. So that was kind of a Sounds about right. representative yeah. comment. Yeah. And, then, uh, and our, our friend Kathy, I don't know if she listens to this podcast, but if she does, hi, Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Kathy. She said uh, she was upset that the Swedish chef ruined the movie because that meant she wouldn't ever get to find out how it ends. <laughs> so even once it was revealed, <laughs> yeah, she still... She's like, oh, man, the chef ruined ah. the rest of the movie. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. Great. That's pretty good. Uh, and then the other thing I have, uh, just... I'll try to make this brief from the very famous June 12th, 1978 draft of the script. 
there was a little bit more to this scene. Um, Piggy complained that the scene of her getting a call from her agent was not accurate to what really happened. She says that she actually had to leave because her mother was sick. And Kermit reminds her that at the time that that happened, Piggy told him it was her aunt who was sick. Yeah. But that sort of brings up all kinds of questions because didn't Piggy act in the scene in the movie that she's watching? So she must have signed off on that script at some point. So Yeah. Maybe I guess that's, that's why they did it. Yeah, it just brings all of reality into question. I can't so, wrap my head around that. Yeah. Um, and then actually, you know, I have a few more uh, things from that, but I can uh, save those for next week because we'll see a little bit more of the screening room next week. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. So uh, that brings us down to the end for today. Uh, please check out toughpigs.com on the internet, on Facebook, on Twitter, anywhere you can find it. And uh, in the meantime, please give us a positive review on iTunes and tell all your friends about the show. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. And Stacy, remind our listeners where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at Stacy Said What. That's Stacy spelled S T A C I Said What. Sounds great. Our, once again, our logo is by Morgan Davy. Our theme music is by Stacy Rosen, a person Woo-hoo! who is in the room right now. So thank you again, Stacey. My pleasure. And tell all your friends to listen to the show. Listeners, Stacey, you can tell all your friends as well. Um, And uh, join us again next week right here for another episode of Moving Right Along. Goodbye. Irritated.